meditation this morning is the gospel lesson appointed for this Sunday from St. Matthew chapter 22. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. The context of our lesson this morning is, is very, very important, as is always when you're reading a piece of scripture, to know what is going on around here, what is happening at the time that these words are spoken or written. Well, here in Matthew chapter 22, this is Tuesday of what we know as Holy Week. And for a couple of chapters here, Jesus has been preaching and teaching. And in this crowd are some of his enemies. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, those who have already rejected him as the Messiah, those who are scheming to put him to death, those who in just a couple of days will, in a way, be successful. In just a couple of days from Jesus speaking these words, he will be hanging on a cross and dying. So the context of these words are very important. But of course, as we know, these words are not here just to be a history lesson for us to remind us of how Jesus faced his enemies and was calling them to repentance, but they're here for you and me too. Because these are the very words of God. They are the words that are living and breathing and enduring, and they speak to every person of all time, and that includes every one of us here. And Jesus here is speaking in a parable. And throughout this Pentecost season, at least in the, first, in the last couple of months, we've been hearing a lot of parables of Jesus. Some of them I've preached on, some of them have just been in, part of our, in our gospel lessons, but a lot of parables of Jesus. So just a reminder about what a parable is. It's a, it's a story. A story that Jesus tells that we can, we can picture it, we can be even standing at it and, and seeing what's going on, but it's not just a story. It's there to teach us a spiritual truth. Something about the way how that God works in his kingdom, how God works through his word, 
And this parable is no different. We need to read parables in the context of the rest of Scripture as well. Because very easily we can get misled and misinterpret parables if we start to pick out little things that would contradict Scripture. So the point of a parable is always there. And there's always one main point we want to find and, and discover. And, it, and we got to make sure that that main point doesn't contradict what the rest of Scripture tells us. And so as we look at this parable today, there are some, some rabbit holes we might go down that might lead us into false teachings or false beliefs. So we got to be careful, don't we? So we have to read this parable in the context of the rest of Scripture, keeping in mind what the main point is and what the rest of Scripture teaches us. And there's two main things from Scripture we need to keep in mind as we read this parable, as we talk about it this morning. The first truth of Scripture we need to keep in mind is that God wants all people to be saved. God's grace is for all. Jesus died on that cross for the sins of the entire world. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of all people. That is truth number one we must always keep in mind. And especially in reading this parable. The second truth we need to keep in mind as we read this parable and interpret it and apply it is that even though Jesus died for the sins of the world and God wants all people to be saved and God's grace is for all, there are some that will reject it. There are some who won't care about it, who don't want anything to do with it, who will say, I've got my own way. I'm going to figure it out on my own. And for those, Scripture is very clear, their rejection of the grace of God, their rejection of a Savior that is meant for them, and that forgiveness of sins that is for them too is their own demise their own fault. So keep these two truths of Scripture in mind so we don't go down these rabbit holes of false teachings and be led into any false beliefs. God wants all people to be saved, but yet some reject. Here, Jesus' main point in this parable, what he wants us to take home from this and to understand and to believe and to live is that there's a gracious invitation. There is a gracious invitation that is meant for all people, but yet Jesus has a gracious warning for us here too. And the gracious warning is that there are those who are going to get this invitation but not want it. Listen to what he says here in the parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. The invitation is there. Come. It's an invitation of grace. They don't deserve this invitation, but the king says, I want you to celebrate with me. Come to this banquet for this wedding of my son. 
And when no one comes, he sends out another invitation. Go again to them and tell them, it's for you, it's ready, it's yours. Come and enjoy with me. Come, 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 over and over. The king calls to the people through his servants. But there's refusal. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field and another to his business. They had more important things to do in life, they thought. They didn't have time. It wasn't important to them. They didn't care. Refusal of the gracious invitation. But others, others were enemies of the king. It says the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. They didn't care about the king at all. They didn't care about his son. They wanted nothing to do with him. In fact, they hated him so much that they killed those servants who brought that gracious invitation to them. And the king is not happy. The king is not happy at all. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murders and burned their city. He had given them the chance. He had given them the gracious invitation over and over. Come, it's ready, it's for you, it's prepared, it's a gift. Just come and enjoy. And finally, that gracious invitation was taken away. And their end came. A second invitation goes out. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet, it's ready, it's here. But those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners, invite them to the banquet, anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets, gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. The king wanted that banquet hall to be full. He had enough food for everybody. He had a feast big enough for everyone to enjoy. So he says, go out. And in the, in the original language here, the going out is continue to go out. Go, go, go. It's, it's the sense of urgency, the sense of keep on going because there's room. Keep on inviting them in. And that banquet hall is filled. And it says, with those who are bad and those who are good. With those who maybe lived really good lives in the eyes of the king on the outside or those who had hated him in the past and revolted against him in the past. Didn't matter. He says, just come and invite them. And that wedding hall is filled with guests. This would be a nice ending to the parable right here, wouldn't it? All right, we'd, we'd, we'll talk about the point a little deeper, but we, we kind of get it so far, don't we? It'd be a nice ending. But Jesus has one more gracious warning. He says, but when the king came to see the guests, he noticed the man there was not wearing wedding clothes, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now the conjecture here is, and it's just conjecture, we don't know this for sure from, from history, that in this culture, the king would provide the wedding clothes for the guests. And he had to be wearing those wedding clothes to get in. Now, if that's true or not, the picture is there for us, isn't it? Here is one who was in that wedding banquet who shouldn't have really been there. 
because he didn't think he needed the king's invitation. He didn't think he needed those wedding clothes, that he was okay on his own. And his demise was to be thrown out, tied hand and foot, into the darkness, away from that banquet hall, away from that feast. Gracious warnings from our Savior. Spoken to that crowd that day, to his enemies, which we see are very clear. Jesus came to save those very people who are looking to kill him. They've been invited to the banquet. Jesus has been longing to, for them to receive him and repent for three years, he has not given up on these teachers of the law, these Pharisees who have been rejecting him and scheming against him and whose rise to their evil is, is coming very close. But yet still in love, he is graciously warning them, don't reject the invitation or destruction will come. Don't reject this invitation of grace that I've come to bring you. Gracious warnings to those who thought that they could stand in the presence of God by their own merits, by their own works, by their own righteousness and didn't need the wedding clothes that he wanted to bring them and give them. Gracious warnings to his enemies. Gracious warnings to you. So which one did you need to hear this morning? Which warning of Jesus did you need to hear from his mouth today? Have you been ignoring that grace? You've been too busy? You just, you don't have time for any of that stuff right now? You just got too much going on in life? Are you like those people who, they got the invitation, but they went off to their own business? They had more important things to do. The Apostle Paul warns through the letter to the Corinthians, don't receive God's grace in vain. Now is the day. Now is the day. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Not, tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Listen to that invitation today. Receive that invitation of grace today. Because tomorrow might not come. Which warning did you need to hear from the mouth of Jesus today? Maybe you've been living as his enemy. And while you've got that new self, you, you have that, that, that new man that's been created in you by faith in Christ Jesus lately, that old self, that sinful flesh, has been winning way too many battles. That sinful flesh has been having its way with you and you've let it go unchecked. And you're kind of becoming complacent with those sins in your life. They're not really bothering you a whole lot anymore. And if that's the truth, you're living as an enemy of Christ. If you've become okay with your sinful flesh and the sins that it's causing you to do in your life. And if that's the case, heed the warning 
that Paul gives to the Romans where he says that should we keep on sinning so that grace should increase? By no means. We've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? What's the warning, the gracious warning you needed to hear from the mouth of Jesus today? Maybe you think you've done pretty well for yourself. Maybe you think you're doing okay on your own, that, that you've got the right clothes to wear. That that grace of God, well, that's for, that's for those really bad sinners. You know, I, I make up for what I do. I try to amend my wrongs. I, I go to church. I give my offerings. I, I try to do my best and be faithful and be committed and kind. Are you wearing your own robes? Your own robes of righteousness? Those rags, those filthy rags, let's be honest. And thinking that's what's getting you right with God, that you can be in his presence and come to that feast with your own works. If that's how you've been living, if that's been your attitude, like that of the Pharisees, that their good works get them right with God, well then listen to this, Paul, this, this warning from Paul in Galatians. If you think it's by your own works, you've fallen from grace. If it's works, then it's no longer grace. You want to earn your own way into God's presence? Fine, give it a shot, try it, and see how that goes for you. It's not going to work. But grace. Choose grace rather than your own works. Which gracious warning did you need to hear from the mouth of Jesus this morning? And I, I'm guessing most likely... Every day, you need to be hearing all three, don't you? Every day. You need to be reminded from the mouth of Jesus' this gracious warning, don't ignore that call to repentance. Don't ignore that call of God's grace. Repent today. Crucify that sinful flesh. Put it to death. Rise to be what God has called you to be in your new man, in your new self. You need to hear that gracious warning that your good works do nothing to avail you, but only lead to your destruction, but to look to another righteousness. I'm guessing if you're like every other Christian, you need to hear every single warning that Jesus has here for you, that he calls out in his grace to you. In his undeserved, unconditional, no strings attached, unearned, free love that he offers to you, his grace. You see, God's, God is gracious. God is gracious, but he is also just. Remember those truths. God wants all people to be saved. Jesus died for the sins of the world. God's grace is for all, but for those who reject it, for those who think they don't need it, there is punishment. There is everlasting destruction, and we get some very graphic pictures of that here in this parable, don't we? The enemies of God, of that king, are destroyed. For those who think that they can earn their way in by their own righteousness, they are tied hand and foot thrown outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is a graphic description of the punishment of hell. And I know we don't like to think about hell. I, I know 
A lot of churches don't like to preach about hell. I know a lot of people want to avoid that topic, but it's real. It's real. Jesus teaches it. The Bible teaches it. It's outer darkness. It's separation from God forever. It's everlasting destruction and punishment, and that's what waits for those who do not heed these gracious warnings that Jesus speaks today. But even that warning of hell, even that warning of what awaits those who reject this invitation of grace, that too is grace, isn't it? That Jesus would warn us that there is a hell? That Jesus would warn us enough to not want us to go there to, to say, listen, even to these enemies who are, are ready to put him to death, he still in love warns them, and that call goes to every one of you today too. And he's constantly, and he's continually inviting you to come. Come. And see the one who was not tied hand and foot, but was nailed hand and foot to a cross. Come. Come and see the one who was thrown outside. Not just outside the city and let up a mount, but thrown outside of the love and the care of his heavenly Father to suffer all alone. Come. Come and see the one who experienced the pit of absolute darkness as his heavenly Father turned his face away from him. Come and see. You are invited to come and see that one who experienced that weeping and gnashing of teeth, that suffering of hell itself for you so that you would never know what that's like. Dear Christian, the call comes to you. Come. Come. Come and wear the wedding clothes that are freely given. As we just sang in the hymn just before the sermon, Jesus, your blood and righteousness, they are my glorious dress. Come and receive those clothes that Jesus gives because through that suffering and death on that cross, through that victorious resurrection on Easter Sunday morning, in your baptism, by his grace, through the work of his spirit, Jesus says, here's some new clothes for you to put on. Robes of righteousness. That you can stand in the presence of the King. You can stand in the presence of the Almighty God as holy and sinless in His sight because of what Christ has done for you and because of the righteousness that is by faith, as we heard in our lesson from Romans, that is yours. A righteousness from outside of yourself that is a gift from God, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Come. Come, you are invited, over and over and over. Come to the banquet. We heard in our lesson from Isaiah, you are invited to this rich feast.
to feast on these blessings that God can give in word and sacrament. Come to his word, and not just on Sunday mornings, but every day. Open your Bibles. Feast on what God wants you to have. Come to the banquet. Come to this banquet table that many of you are going to come to receive in just a few moments to receive that very body and blood of Jesus for that assurance of the forgiveness of your sins, for that your peace with your heavenly Father, for your hope for eternal life, for your strength and your joy to go to live for him. Come, you are invited. It's for you. Come. He invites you over and over and over. Receive the gracious invitation. And then take that invitation to others. Because I know that all of you know someone who needs to hear this gracious warning too. Someone who's been living as an enemy of Christ by the way that they're living. Someone in your life who has been ignoring that grace of God saying, I don't have time for it. I'm too busy. I've got more important things to do. People who have been clinging to their own robes of righteousness and thinking that makes them right with God. I don't know who it is in your life. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a son, a daughter. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a fellow church member. We get to be the mouth of Jesus to them to give the gracious warning to come, to not spur to not ignore this gracious invitation. This section ends with another verse where you could say, well, it would have been nice to just end at verse 13, but we've, or at verse, uh, yeah, verse 13, but we've got verse 14 here too we've got to talk about just briefly. There's probably 40 sermons in, in just verse 14, but it's in here, so we need to at least mention it. He says, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Again, keep in mind those truths of Scripture that we talked about at the beginning. Jesus died for the sins of the world. God's grace is for all. God wants all people to be saved. But yet a second truth that we know all too well is that there are many who will reject. Many who will spurn that gracious invitation and say, I don't need it, I don't care, that's not for me. And that's what Jesus is referring to here. Many are invited. All are invited to come. All are invited, but, but few do. So how do you know that you're one of the few? How can you be sure that you are one of the few that are chosen? How can you be assured of that walking out of here today so you're not wondering, where am I? <laughs> be assured of this. Dear sinner saint, Dear redeemed child of God, dear baptized child of God, clothed in the robes of righteousness, that you are one of the chosen because you recognize you are a poor and miserable sinner. Because you confess that you cannot stand in the presence of a holy God on your own, that you can do nothing but beat your breast and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then you turn to Jesus Christ and receive by faith, the faith given you as a gift through the Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus Christ, his merits, his righteousness, his forgiveness. 
And then with that power of the Holy Spirit, you get to go and live in that grace. You get to go and share that grace. You get to go and know that I'm not right with God by what I do. I don't deserve to be invited to that banquet. But God, you call me in your grace. And you graciously warn me with your word. And you call me to repentance. Dear Christian, that is who you are. You are chosen. You are his. You are clothed in the robes of Jesus' righteousness. Continue to graciously hear that warning that he calls in his word. And receive that righteousness and go and live in it. God grant it to you. Amen. And now may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole soul and spirit and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls